This is your multifamily foundation. Your blueprint to maximize your multifamily business. From finding deals to raising capital to underwriting a deal, this show gives you the formula to take action now. From entrepreneurship to lifestyle to building yourself so you're ready to take down that next deal, no matter if you're just starting out or have years of experience. Now, let's start building our multifamily foundation together. Hello again, welcome back. We are back at PodMax today, so super excited to be back here for our second round. I have Nate Herrick on the show. Hey, Nate, how you doing? How's it going? Nice going to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us. It's always good to do the face-and-face -face ones. Generally, we got we have Zoom set up with it, with people being all over, but we loved it last time because you just you get to talk, right? You right. Know, set up in that box and that screen and everything else you have from those dynamics. And so Nate was born and raised in eastern Connecticut with his parents and his two younger brothers. Enrolled in the University of Connecticut, where he enlisted in the U.S. Army National Guard. Thank you for your service. And for a new challenge, was the only realistic way he could afford college. After graduating soon from UConn in 2001, Nate accepted a sales position with a Fortune 200 consumer goods corporation. And after 9-11, he was called to active duty and probably served in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom, culminating with the status of, uh, of Army veteran. And so while working as nine to five, uh, Nate is continuing to focus on growing multiple income streams through multifamily real estate investing, self-storage opportunities, institutional ATM route investing, private placements, and most recently is syndicating merchant cash advances. 2019, Nate forms NAZ Capital with his two brothers, which we'll talk about today, and his entity invests in multifamily syndications, ATMs, and various placements. And his mission is, of course, to provide a standard of living for his two young children that he never had, but more importantly, instills the values, drives, and financial education necessary to succeed on their own. So we, we have a lot to unwrap. Well, we, that's a mouthful there. We, we talked a bit <laughs> offline, and for that point, you know, I, I, what I miss, fill me in. Well, no, I mean, really, the, the story goes as this, you know, growing up, um, I grew up in a family that really wasn't too business oriented, really had to provide for myself um, from a very early age. And that's where I kind of got that entrepreneurial spirit, mm -hmm. you know, dating back to when I was probably 11 years old and had a, like a paper route. And, uh, but it, I, I would never trade that for the world because just the education you got having to just understand the struggle and the, and the hustle. And um, I think that kind of molded me to, to where I was to gain. And, and you got into it with the um, with the military. I mean, I joined the Army out of necessity um, and ended up being one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Number one, I didn't have to pay for school um, and come out with all this debt that you hear everybody dealing with. I, I can't really re relate to that because... Um, you know, the, the military provided me with a full tuition waiver. Um, but more importantly, it kind of molded me and introduced me to some very close friends, some of which who have introduced me to investments to this day. Hmm. Um, so from there, you know, um, you know, got the corporate job, did the, did the whole nine to five, hated every minute of it. Um, basically, I just didn't feel like, like I fit in, you know, and I, I always knew there was more. So basically, um, my first real introduction to more of a entrepreneurial mindset was when I was approached um, by an individual who ran an ATM business. I was, I was in field sales and I was, I was actually selling merchandising contracts on the road and someone approached me, they're like, hey Nate, um, you know, 
you want to grab lunch? I got something to talk to you about. I think mm-hmm. you might be interested. So he presented this, this business that he was running with ATM machines. So I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't know that regular people like own these things. I thought they were only owned by banks, right? So um, fast forward 10 years, um, the terminals, the, the business that I've created helps pay for my kids' school and daycare and, and covers a lot of my expenses. And it's an additional income stream in, in conjunction with my full-time job, which is I am a recruiter in the uh, architectural engineering and construction space uh, at Secure Tech Solutions out of Hartford. We're a small shop, um, a lot of experienced individuals there. So um, yeah, Epic ATM, you know, um, we're always looking for for new ventures and new partners and we're really looking to expand that business. And I think um, I could provide some insight as to how to help others grow their income stream as well sure. um, through well, ATMs as well as others. Yeah, you know? Let's dive in there, right? Yeah. So, so in that capacity, talk to us about why that made sense because it's not the I don't know if we there's there's a lot of untraditional investments these days, right? right. It's not your your standard. Hey, let me just put my money in my four hundred one k and let somebody else worry about it. I'm going to take control of my in my future, right? No, so absolutely. Talk about the ATM business. How, how does that work? Well, basically, it's. Um, I mean, everybody's seen an ATM, right? But um, the ATMs that I deal with are not the ones mounted into the side of the wall at your local bank. They're mm-hmm. at your local convenience store, liquor store, gas station, restaurant, anything, um, you know, more of a more of a mom and pop locations, right? Um, a lot of the corporate ATMs that you'd see at a major chain, those are all contracted, right? We've you talked about certain syndications and the syndications tend to have those type of ATMs route. I'm talking individual. And how I got started is is basically being introduced to this individual and, and really finding a location. The, the key to a, an ATM business, number one, it's like anything. It's like real estate. It's location, right? So high foot traffic. Once you identify a location, it's really as simple as acquiring a machine, which you can buy from any supplier, but more importantly, having the know-how how to deploy it. Um, how to program it, how to fix it, the, the ins and outs of the business, which anybody can learn, but um, I had somebody to teach me, and um, that really helped in terms of springboarding that business you know, quicker. Um, really, in, in, in terms of what you need for an ATM, you need a power source, you need connectivity, a regular Cat5 internet line in, in a location, hmm. and last but not least, you need a source of cash. So a cash loader, it could be an armored car service, it could be an individual, it could be the store owner, it could be the the person deploying it. Guys like me. I mean, I sure. I used to drive around with, you know, thirty thousand dollars in cash and twenty dollar bills in my glove compartment when I first got started. So I mean there's and that but but by me loading the machines myself, it was additional revenue. I didn't have to pay a cash loader to do it. So it supercharged the business and the cash flow faster. Sure. And it was just, and to be honest with you, I mean, everything I can, I look at all my ATMs on my mobile app. I, it, there's kind of like a, a little fun element to it. It's yeah. like, oh, I wonder what the machines are doing today. Is there an ATM app? Something oh, I absolutely. Is there? Get app. Yeah, I have an app to, to search. Uh, I can view all of my terminals in real time. Super cool. So, and, uh, and again, it's... Um, Does it show you if one's offline? It shows if it's offline. It shows the cash balance. You can see every single transaction down to the card number of the wow. end of the last four, the card number. That's um, the how much you can see so much better, right? Because right, I, I would imagine I don't know X amount of years to even ten years or less, right? That, that mm-hmm. people would have these machines. They wouldn't realize it's offline. Right. They're losing money. Yep, they've yeah. always been online, they, but they use the phone line. Yeah, and the yeah. platforms to do the tracking and the, the full-blown reporting aren't what they are today. Mm-hmm. 
so so yeah that was um that was sort of my first taste of you know business owner slash entrepreneur and again i was always doing that while i had a a, a primary source of income as i would say my regular job so, um yeah, i'll ask this question before we mm-hmm. even dive in a little bit further is uh with the move to the digital age where you know you got apple cash you got all these other points have you seen some kind of attrition to the ATM business or anything that 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 warrants? I mean, cash is always still king, right? Yeah, you, you would you would think that with all these new options for people to pay other people, mm-hmm. um, that ATM transactions would decrease and decline over time. Well, it's kind of crazy that the ac- actual opposite has taken place. Hmm. Um, in 2017 up to 2018, obviously we don't have 2019 numbers yet, but um, ATM transactions across the United States of America has actually gone up. Hmm. And there's various reasons for that. I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about why, but the main reason is um, there still is a large portion of our population that we deem unbankable. Sure. Um, they have no credit. They don't have credit cards. There are people on you know, public assistance that are able to take out cash. Mm-hmm. Another reason that a lot of people in the industry don't talk about why ATM transactions have actually increased is because banks now, like it could be whatever, Wells Fargo Bank of America is now giving their customers like five free ATM withdrawals at out of network ATMs a month for free. So I don't know about you, but I can I can shoot off to an ATM in a gas station and take out $200 and not pay a service charge. I pay a service charge at the machine, my bank reimburses me. So what that has done is now regular people who wouldn't normally step outside of their regular bank yeah. location now are not afraid of that pay to paying that. Yeah, they don't need to use their bank-specific ATM because now their local bank or national bank, for that matter, is allowing them to take out money hmm service they're able to refund the the uh, the service charge why so, are they doing that the banks it's just one more value add for them so uh, a lot of times yeah, yeah. A, a great reason is uh, let's say i'll use bank of america and and don't quote me on this but um i mean if you have a certain account balance yeah. you qualify for certain benefits and AT, free atm withdrawals is one of those benefits got it and if you're yep. looking at the atm itself what makes it a prime location? Like, what what are you looking for, and how do you like? If it is a bodega, yeah, like that's a, that's a that's a great that yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, here's the deal: the 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 challenge of the ATM business, and let's not sugarcoat this. I mean, if you look around everywhere, every viable location, mm-hmm. not every, but most viable locations already have an ATM. Now, that's no different than people that are looking at real estate deals that sit back and complain and say, "Oh, there's no good deals." There's always good deals. You just have to find them, yeah. right? So, to answer your question, is a great ATM ATM location would be any location with a high amount of foot traffic in, I mean, I'm painting this with a broad brush, but in a lower income area, Got it. Um, I would say um, that's that's the best way to put it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And and is it as simple as you go into Bodega and say, hey, listen, I see you don't have an ATM. Have you thought about it? Is that Absolutely. It? Like any you know? any other sales call, but the, the key to it is it's like any relationship sure. sale is um, a lot of my leads have come from people I've already known. Um, as a matter of fact, I just deployed a new terminal last week um, at a location right here in Pennsylvania for, from the first ever ATM location I've ever got 10 years ago. He called me up out of the blue. He goes, hey, I'm opening up a new business down here in PA. Can you get me a machine? Yeah. 
And it's sometimes it's as simple as that. It's like well, network service too, right? 10 years in, he said, I'm going to call you up again. Well, you're yeah. doing something, right? And right. it's about our fourth or fifth, I want to say fifth location we've done. But um, but no, it's like any other, you know, any other business that it's relationship based and, mm-hmm. you know, good service, follow up and, yeah. you know, you'll get referrals for sure. And it's, it's not to say, I mean, people have to realize that doing what you say carries so much weight because people don't always want to go out there and look for the next new thing, right? If they can find someone who's consistent right. in any, any level of form, whether mm-hmm. it's your, I don't know, your doctor, your dentist, your, your local store or yeah. anything, like even a cable company, if they're, if they're just going to be consistent for once, like yes. I'll stick with them, right? And same thing on any business level. You don't constantly have to be searching for new. It's mm-hmm. sometimes diving in for what you have. I mean, we see this in the recruiting business as well. I mean, um, when I'm dealing with a candidate, I get, again, that's my that's my primary source of income is is my my recruiting business and it's like with anything is the candidate following up is our yeah. client following up it's mm-hmm. law I, I think it's it's kind of lost in today's business world where i've noticed and i'm sure you have as well the companies the clients who follow up immediately are the ones doing business yeah. they're the professionals they're getting stuff done out in the marketplace I'll show an example on real estate. Our first large multifamily, 94 units, we got it after literally a million dollars off the asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven months after our first time offering the property, because they were the the sellers were unrealistic when when it was just because they had a price in mind and that's what they wanted. Yeah. Well, everybody knew it wasn't worth that. So when when they were making the offers, they kept saying no, no, no. But everybody forgot about it, right? And it just went away, and they sat there for months and months and months. And we went back and said, oh, look at that property still out there, and just put an offer out to them again. And, well, time, things change. Now they were realistic, you know, because now And what did that cost you? Literally just follow nothing. Exactly. And and I think for for listeners out there, um, whether it be your job search, whether it be, you know, your new venture, Hmm. follow up isn't in your marketing budget it's free Correct. it's effort yeah. and it's action yeah yeah and it, it the follow-up doesn't always have to be with a need either right you can just follow up i mean at some points like if you already sold the thing you still follow up you know like it, how's you, it going yeah exactly everything through for that point point. Yeah. and now you transition that with your brothers into doing real estate investments talk to us about working with family how have you aligned interest and, and what are the advantages yeah, absolutely. So, so I think it, this is the most rewarding part of my investing to date, is um, actually exposing family to the benefits of passive real estate investing syndications. And, and now they're at the point where they want to get a little bit more active. So I think a lot of this had to do with, um, first and foremost, is educating them. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're, these are family members who have only invested in their 401k, stocks, and very little exposure to the non-traditional mm-hmm. investing world. Mm-hmm. And the more and more, I mean, they were, they were, I would send them executive summaries and different pro formas and, and just ways to analyze a deal. And they started looking at the numbers and they're like, wow, this all makes sense. And this is like a real building down in, down in Texas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is like giving up control to a lot of people have trouble being like, wow, Oh, wow, we're going to buy a building out of state? That's yeah. scary. I'm like, well, the stock market could be cut in half tomorrow. That's pretty scary too. Um, I always say to my friends, well, if I own something right down the street and it lit on fire, what are you going to do? Yeah. Are you going to run in there? And yeah, what are you going to put out the fire, fire yourself? Yeah. 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 
Um, but I, but I think that's, yeah. We, so we formed NAS Capital um, several months ago, and we've we've just completed our second acquisition. We're just getting started, but hey, you got to start somewhere, right? But the again, the beauty of this is, hey, investing with your brothers, exposing them to, you know, what has worked for me over the years, and it's just it's satisfying. You know, how do you set roles with family? Well, that's that's interesting. So the first thing is obviously forming a legal entity. So it's like, hey, this is all legal, legally binding, official. I mean, I, I would highly recommend, um, you know, an LLC, obviously, mm -hmm. with, with defined ownership rights. So the way we did it in terms of roles was they want to be more of the money guys and yeah. they want me to be more of the deal analysis and, you know, how do I say, just nuts and bolts, sure. uh, administrative side, you know, filling out the, the private placements and, and handling the, the, the cash transfers and things of that, everything that goes into a, you know, a syndication um, from, a, from a limited partner side. So that was defined up front. Yeah. Um, and the beauty of it is, again, you know, not only having them exposed to these types of deals, but hey, now we're, now we're going in on a, on a larger deal, putting in um, a defined amount of money each, one third a pop, and you know, being able to have exposure to more deals. It's super important, and it, so many fights come from just lack of communication or misunderstanding right. with family. And that's where so many things go sideline, especially in in businesses together. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, people may take it the wrong way. That, oh, we're sending an entity with his family. Well, yeah, that that creates the right framework for the family to succeed. Right. Because ultimately, if you and both your brothers each you know, just had a conversation and each just heard the conversation whatever they wanted. There's nothing on paper. Ten years down the road where you're at wherever you're at and, and you want to take that next step and, and someone says, well, no, we talked about this ten years ago. And then there's this big miscommunication. Yes. The family blows up over that. Well, better to have that structure. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we have the structure in place. But I think what I, what I did not touch on, which I should have, is um, we have an understanding in place beforehand. We have a certain rela family relationship where there's that trust. Mm -hmm. Everybody's in a very stable point in their life. Um, everybody understood everything going in. Um, we agreed to certain terms. It's all, all an equal partnership. And I think once you have all those expectations set early, then actually investing just runs that much more smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So what's the sites now? What, are, what is the overall focus of forming this entity? Where, where would you like to go to? Yeah, so what we're looking to do basically with NAS Capital is, um, is expand a little bit into um, self-storage. Mm -hmm. um, there was some exposure to ATM syndications. We really do want to focus on the multifamily, though. Uh, you know, um, we don't want to go 100% multifamily with one operator. So sure. I think to answer your question is we would like to, you know, I know the term diversify is overused, but, you know, not just run run our investments through one operator, you know, be introduced and exposed to many different deals in different um, geographies, too. So we're not, you know, you never want to have all your eggs in one basket um, in a certain geography either. So in, in syndicating allows you to do that. Um, because as you can probably speak to, you, you focus on a set geography, which is great for an operator. Uh, but for an investor, maybe they don't need to be specialized in a certain area. They can sort of pick and choose what markets they go into. So when vetting an operator, what do you look for? I'll be honest with you. The, the first thing is it gets back to what we said earlier, follow-up. Yeah. I mean, if I send an operator an email, how fast do they get back to me? Mm -hmm. That sounds sounds silly, right? As that as simple as it sounds, wow, that's anybody can get back to you. I'm like, in my experience in business, follow timely follow-up is my number one thing. Yeah. Number two, 
of weighing of a of properly vetting an operator is okay who else do i know in this industry that's worked with them in the past sure. do they do what they say they're going to do mm-hmm. do their monthly disbursements arrive on time mm-hmm. is there proper financial communication in detail mm-hmm. down to the down to the unit okay this one's occupied this isn't this is what the rent roll is you know things of that nature a lot of just networking i would say sure. so i i really rely on the follow-up and the networking of people that i've already know have done business with these individuals as a proper way to vet um different you know operators for for real estate syndications for the sure consistency is absolutely key right because ultimately if someone when they start is not basically doing the follow-up and not you know, saying what you're supposed to and just not getting back to you mm-hmm. how do you, it's not going to get better when you get the deal no matter how good the deal is right correct and, and it I, we had this funny thing when we first started we we send our monthly follow-up and, and we put in there, hey, here, here's what's going good. Here's what's not working to plan. Here's what we're doing. Yeah, full correct. transparency. Yeah, That's another thing. Yeah. It's not all roses out correct. there. You know, it's... 150 uh, people living in a building, of course, yeah. right? But you find we wouldn't get any, like we wouldn't get an email back from anybody. It was like, mm-hmm. what the heck's going on? And like, I changed over to like mail services so I could see yeah. the click rate. Right? It was like yeah, nuts. Yeah. So I was like, Who's reading this stuff? Days. People are reading this. And I was like, hey, you getting our email? They're like, yeah. I'm like, any questions? Like, no, you're putting all an email. Well, that's yeah. it. Like, put it in there, you know, and, and you actually have less response because you're, you're telling everybody what's happening, what's not happening right, mm-hmm. what you're doing to fix it. Right. That's it. And, and on the other side, I mean, as an investor, I, I always like to respond to my, uh, when I get the, the messages and the communication from mm-hmm. the, signi- uh, the syndicator, just to let the syndicator know, hey, I'm actively, I'm reading this. I'm actively yeah. involved. I want to be in the know. And I think like hearing this from you right now, that speaks volumes because um, I don't know if my syndicators like just my basic thank you responses, but I mean, just to, just to say, hey, thanks for the thanks for the uh, November update. No, Looking forward to see all the properties progressing. Blah blah blah. I mean, you know, it's good to have it back. You know, because there, there was a moment I, that's why I reached out to two of my buddies. I'm like, you mm. getting this email? Yeah. You know, just so you can like actually make sure that it's coming across, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And yep. it, it gives people because sometimes people don't want to ask questions, but questions are good because. Especially when you, if you're looking to be an operator, you get better with questions, right? You don't get worse. And it's like raising money, putting the deals together, like even getting out there. You can't prepare for every question. So the more you have the talks and do everything to your, to your advantage to be out there in front of people, the, the better you can get at your conversation because mm-hmm. you can answer the questions. And if you don't know the answer, that's okay. You just yep. say, do what Nate wants, follow up. But say, I'll get back to you tomorrow, 10 a.m., and tell you what's up and it may be i don't have the answer yet i haven't found it or maybe that i'm just responding to you so with the family now moving forward you're looking for for new operators new new geographies how are how are you determining how much is it you're looking at deal first or are you looking at asset class first what's the focus you know we we always like to look at the deal yeah um versus like try to pre or handcuff ourselves for any Mm -hmm. type of asset class but um you know, multifamily is always of interest, mm-hmm. and um, and I would say next is self storage. Um, it's always good in an economic downturn, as we know. Um, it's just it's harder and harder to find deals. Yeah. We've been exposed to some multi uh, oh, mobile home parks as well, which is an interesting um, asset class. So we're we're pretty open minded. Sure. Over here, and um, you know, we're just tr- we're we're a little concerned about prices might be a little high right now a little you know we don't want to go too crazy right now at this time in the cycle but um again we we also hate seeing money sitting on the sidelines yeah absolutely you know absolutely 
Great. So we appreciate your time today. For people that are listening, want to hear more about you, hear more about the ATM business, hear more about NAS Capital, mm-hmm. what's the best way to find you? Yeah, so the best place, um, if, if anybody is looking to learn um, about the ATM business in any way, shape, or form to, as a potential partner, or even let's say you're a business owner as that you're, you feel your location could benefit from an ATM machine and the cash that it throws off, uh, you can go to Epic atm.net that's epicatm.net and um in terms of um nas capital um also just reach me directly at nate underscore herrick at yahoo.com um i still um field inquiries from there always looking to meet up with new investors again our recruiting company secure tech solutions we're looking to expand to the new york city and new jersey markets as well um again that's that's something we didn't really get into but i'm a firm believer in having that primary source of income throw off the cash to be able to deploy and invest in other ventures and and our recruiting business is is really what does that i actually work with my brother in the recruiting business there you go so we work together every day um secure tech solutions out of hartford connecticut and uh, yeah, we're we're the go-to guys for anything with um, any construction management firms that that need any type of recruiting services. You need a superintendent for your job site? You come see us. So Super. that's SecureTechSolutions.com. T-E-K on that. So, well, Nate, thank you yeah. so much for coming on the show. It's super great to have you. Super great to connect again. We'll talk cool. to you shortly. Great to be here. Bye.